Tyler, it is great to chat with you. I, I know the uh, the season, you can just smell hockey being in the air and the HSL has already kicked things off. I guess maybe for those who aren't familiar, uh, give a, a little bit of an overview about the Hockey Super League. Yeah, so, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Dean. Uh, it's great to uh, great to have an opportunity to catch up with you and and be a part of the the new podcast, the new property for uh, for, for Vengeance. And uh, yeah, so just a quick overview of the of the Hockey Super League, or an independent youth uh, youth hockey league that uh, we're heading into our this is our seventh season uh, of of operating uh, in in Western Canada. I guess you could say over the past years we've added teams from Saskatchewan, uh, BC. We don't have a BC presence this year, but over the past years we have had uh, a heavy influence from BC as well. And uh, you know, just a basically spring hockey uh being able to be played around uh the families have the opportunities to uh you know to kind of pick and choose where they play who they play for and and everything like that and it's been uh it's been a wild ride and and it's been very exciting and and you know this year has been uh, off to a great start and uh you know we're really excited with where this is going and and how things are are progressing as we uh, as we move forward and continue to push the push the envelope yeah, and it's it's amazing. We we look at this the video and the the skill set of the kids today. Do you ever wonder like I don't remember the kids I was playing against being this good as the kids, you know, I'm doing the play-by-play for. Like these kids are so good at such a young age. They're fearless when it comes to trying different things and and it's quite amazing. It's it's incredible Dean to see the the level of of play uh, the competitiveness and it's it's very it's very interesting because for sure when I was uh, you know when I was these kids age you know many moons ago you know if you could you know toe drag a, a puck you were you were you were skilled you were very skilled now some of the stuff these guys are trying and I think that there's so many different aspects as to why they you know they have the the awareness the the ability and, and just creativity. And I think a lot of it does come from, you know, what they're able to be subjected to the amount of time that they're able to spend on watching different skill videos, watching breakdowns of, of certain skills. And, you know, there's so many things that come to my mind, you know, the linear crossovers by McDavid or, or McKinnon, you know, the, the soft catch and release by a guy like Matthews, the, you know, the, the toe drag release, which has been made famous by Connor Bedard the last few years at the world juniors and through his junior career and you know there's just so many different aspects and uh you know i know that there's sometimes where maybe in games you know a lot of players do become a little bit robotic but when you see the level of skill it's 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 incredible and you know when when we were younger your your skill development a lot of the time happened on an outdoor rink when you were just trying to have some fun with your buddies and and you know win some bragging rights on a backyard rink and and those sorts of things but now you know, a lot of these kids spend a lot of time on the ice and they get high level development coaching. And that's one of the biggest aspects that has made, you know, the Hockey Super League as successful as it has been is the the coaching staffs, the the development staffs, the, the attention to detail, the power skating, the, the, the shooting, the, you know, pep, the different stick handling. Mm-hmm. And just overall, it's it's incredible to see. And I know one of the, one of the things that really kind of, you know, I guess kind of added to the magnitude of that was, was being around the brick tournament a little bit this last summer. And it just felt like a completely different level of hockey 
than had ever been played at, at, the, at that event. And I mean, that event is incredible from, from the get-go. And I was fortunate enough to spend a few years around it being, you know, kind of inadvertent, not inadvertently, but in, indirectly a part of, of the staff. And it just, it felt so different. And to see what these kids are able to do and the skill level and, you know, how well trained they are and, and knowing where players are and the vision. And you just tell a lot of these kids uh, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, the guys that are going to be the most successful are going to be the guys that are the most driven not just the most skilled, you know, when you look at players like uh, Bedard or McDavid, McCarr, all those, you know, the top level players, Crosby, their, their attention to detail and the amount of time that they spend in the game in and working on their game and adding to their toolbox is, is incredible. And, and yeah, the young athletes that we have that we're, the opportunity to see on a, on a week to week basis is it's incredible. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I had that discussion with uh, Jason Strudwick about, uh, you know, that, that skill, that the amount of work that those players that you just mentioned in the top level in the NHL that are doing away from that nobody sees is incredible. And, you know, Craig McTavish was out in Vancouver this past weekend. He joined me on one of the broadcasts and we were talking about the skill level of these kids. And sometimes as they get older, that gets coached out of them and the, the creativity. And he's said it came from his lips he loves the coaching style in the jphl which is an extension of the the hsl in a way because that coaching or that that robotics isn't instituted the skill is allowed to thrive which i think is a great thing between the hsl and the jphl that's seamless between those two is that we don't want to yank the skill out of these guys and turn them into off the glass and out players we want to encourage that while still adding structure to the game yeah, and that's exactly. And, and when you, it is interesting to see or talk to players who, you know, grew up in, in you know, specific eras and, and what tries to get coached out of them or what coaches try to coach out of them and to simplify their game. And, you know, when you look at, at different players, you know, for example, like one thing that comes to my mind is a, is a guy, like Eric Carlson. Uh, you know, if he was a, a say a North American defenseman, does he have the same career that he's had? Because he gets restricted on the creativity, and you know, and I know we talk about this quite a bit in our office, and through the times of the, the amount of time that I've spent on the ice with with Stephen Gertzen on a on a skill development basis, is you're all it's always that risk reward, and you want to be able to allow the athlete to make mistakes you know you can live with them if they've got the high skill level the the high compete and those sorts of things but I, I do think that sometimes especially in North America it's you know if you're a defenseman your number one your number one rule is play defense stay back you know um, you know and then kids get into that habit of you know going back for a puck and it's just a hard rim rather than you know going through their options like a quarterback and trying to scan the ice and, and make those different plays and and I think that you know, overall, like you said, with the with the with the um, the level of the coaching staffs in in the JPHL as well as the HSL and the number of former pro players that are are involved, you know, those guys the the experience that they have and what they're able to bring to their athletes on a on a knowledge level, it's incredible. And and so many of those kids that are that have the access to those types of coaches you know, that, that sticks with you for a long time and you're able to learn so much from the way that you get taught and the way you get coached. And, you know, some guys have more time for 
other types of players uh, or more respect and, and that sort of thing. And it, yeah, it's just very, it's very interesting and it's really cool to see the, the caliber of coaches that are out there. And I think one of the coolest things about the whole independent hockey stream that, that has been, you know, somewhat created from scratch, you know, with the HSL and now the JPHL and, the, you know, the HPL in Vancouver and, and those types of different programs is you have so much more camaraderie between coaches. Um, and I really think that that's one thing that we really try to instill in our, in our coaching staffs is, and from, from top to bottom is creating and harvesting and harboring those relationships and, and taking best practices from different programs and, uh, you know, no different than, you know, with your time and in, in being in, you know, sports media and that sort of thing of being able to talk to guys about what their best practices are and, and trying to kind of get rid of that tunnel vision where I'm just focused on me. I'm not giving you my trade secrets and sure, you're not going to give, you know, a hundred percent of what you're teaching, but I, I think just opening those doors and that mutual respect is, is so important. And, and that's, what's going to, you know, continue to grow our game. Um, you know, not only just in what we're doing, but overall, and, and is those types of, of different um, relationship building. And, you know, one of the cool things that we've added on the, the hockey super league side of things, and we've got a few of the JPHL coaches as well is the relationship that we have with the coaches site. Um, I know some people are probably pretty familiar with it, but the amount of access and resources that you have fingertips on anything from, you know, sports nutrition to sports psych to, you know, uh, I think Ray Ferraro has a really good, um, a really good presentation on there mm. about raising an elite athlete. And that doesn't just mean an elite hockey player. It doesn't just mean an elite athlete. You know, those, the, the, a lot of elite athletes are elite people as well in terms of their mindset and where they're, they're able to stay or how they're able to stay focused and, and dialed in on nutrition, commitment, discipline, all those different aspects. So, you know, that's something that's really exciting for us on the, on the HSL and, and the independent side of things is a relationship like we've harvested with the, with the coaches site and, and the access that they've been given or that they've given to us in, in, you know, in what our relationship is with them and being able to kind of have a platform where coaches can share different drills. You know, you got something that you worked on in practice that you think is a benefit to players across the board. You're able to share those things and really creating that community or that sort of tribe that it is where, I think the most human growth really comes from, and that's coaching that you can bring down to the players. And at the end of the day, the better the players are, the better the coaches are, the better the players are, the better the product is, and the more competitive it is. And we want to create as, as competitive of an environment as possible for these young athletes. Yeah, I think we've all seen growing up uh, the coaches that are there to get them to the next level and the coaches that are there to get the players uh, to the next level. And, and I thought it was terrific. Last year during the Winter Championship at the JPHL, I asked Sean Bell a question about, wow, this is a real statement game. And they would beaten the Titans. And he said, you know what? Uh, it's not as much of a statement game, although, you know, I know Belzy liked beating Spitz and stuff, but it was, hey, this we're in this, we're all in this together, right? Like it's this is where rising tide, you know, lifts all boats sort of sort of thing. And I thought, 
wow, that really is a different answer than I was expecting because you just beat your biggest rival. But the cooperation is there between coaches, between players, and 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 I think it's it's amazing. And the choices that players have now, um, you know, we we were able to broadcast the number of games that, that we're seeing here. So the choices, uh, the ability to go back and watch these games, it's a much different world than when we were playing and our parents were shooting with the old VHS. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. Yeah, just sucking the battery life for the power <laughs> out of the out of the arena. You know, I always wondered why the lights were flickering, but uh, you know, there was yeah. When you look at the access that these players have, and know from you know even just the time that we've we've had the the Spruce Grove Saints as a part of the Silent Dice family, and and learning all the different video uh, platforms that are out there. You know, with, uh, you know, the analytics, the ability to just go back and watch your shifts. And, you know, we have a partnership with with TPE right now that, you know, goes back, gets all the analytics and the kid can go watch just their shifts for, you know, say 25 minutes after a game and see exactly what they're doing. And that's where the game has gone is all of these young kids and, and young athletes are so visually just very intrigued with what they look like. And. I know even going back to a lot of the time that I spent doing skill development is the, the biggest strides that you were able to see from the athletes was when you were able to show them exactly what they're doing, because you're always going to think that you're doing things properly and, and that sort of thing. And then when you actually see yourself on a screen and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, where your angles are pushing to on your forward stride or whatever it may be, when you can show that it, it makes big, big, big inroads in, in your overall development and, you know, when you look at the the way that, you know, you guys have been able to to bring uh, all these games from an arena into people's homes and, and seeing the quality of it. And, you know, as we see some of the replays of the of the 10 triple A championship game last year at the Meadows, one of the most entertaining, exciting oh, wow. games that I've seen in the HSL in a long and in, in quite some time. There's been some really, really good games, but yeah, the ability to 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 portray that and, and to show that in a way that is is in such a professional manner, it, it you know you, it attracts people to watching it. It, it. it gets that exposure, and you know, and it's always cool to go back and be able to you know watch your own highlights with the you know with an announcer that actually knows your name and that sort of thing. Like I remember going back to being a kid, and I mean, you were happy to have a guy on the PA, and all I would hear is how many penalty minutes I had all game, not like I was getting that many points. But you know, it's just it's a it's a cool new world, and um, you know, to to have the resources available and, and to be able to do that, it's, it's huge, and and it just adds again a whole other layer to uh, you know to the development of the, of the athletes, and and also too, uh, it's something that I think a lot of people don't really think of, but it's the ability you know, for like Dean, you and Brandon and, and everybody else that's a part of For Vengeance to bring in young people that are maybe interested in being on a camera, doing production, mm-hmm. doing statistics, whatever it may be, and, and realizing that there's there's so many opportunities out there and, and the, the the world is is limitless when it comes to, you know, what you're interested in and, and that sort of thing. And I mean, it, yeah, I still laugh about even being like doing color for the Saints. I'm just like, I never would have ever imagined that I would ever even think of doing that. Like I went, at one point, I did think of going into radio and TV, um, but like never thought that those opportunities would, would ever come up. And that's the thing, right, is, is so many of these athletes, you know, you know, no different even than our referee academy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Travis Toomey is a buddy of mine that out of nowhere, you know, I go from doing, you know, fun three on three working with him and, and we're refing games and joking around. And then two years later, I'm walking out onto the bench for a Saints game and he's sitting tying his skates for a playoff game. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm line take tonight. And I was like, oh. And then, you know, catching up with him and he gets fast tracked to the NHL and now he's a full time NHL linesman. It's just, you can become a professional in, in so many different aspects. So to be able to, like you said, like with the, with the for vengeance media and, and introducing people to roles that they maybe never even thought would have been possible is, is super, super cool. Yeah. Developing not just players. And, you know, we, we, we do these interviews during these games and we do them because they make the broadcast better, but we also do them because they make the people that are getting interviewed better for later on when they have to give a report at work or they get to the next level and they are interviewed. They're not just deer in the headlights. And listen, the very first time I was live on TV, I probably would have been sued for libel for whatever I said. And I had broadcast training, so I can't imagine what it's like for some of these kids that are 13 14 years old so changes is good and and the old shooting from the canoe that our parents were doing when they were at the rink is not happening with four vengeance and and changes in the air with hockey all over the bchl has gone independent i'm hearing just amazing things about the quality of hockey out there and obviously lots of rumblings that more leagues are going to follow i think it's inevitable wokey that more leagues do follow i just think it's a matter of when yeah, I I mean, you know, and it's yeah, it's such a loaded a loaded statement question um and you know in in having the fortunate uh, opportunity to be in the independent space for, you know, 7 plus years now already since we started the HSL and and the the original Saints Pro Hockey Academy program and to see where things have gone, you know, you you just, you never know what to expect. It's always expect the unexpected and the landscape changes so fast. And that's exactly where it's at now. And, you know, with the BCHL doing, you know, making the decision that they made and, and hearing, you know, the rave reviews and, and seeing the level of the caliber of players that are there and the amount of college players. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the BCHL fares in the, in the June draft with the NHL. And, uh, you know, seeing kind of the, I guess, you know, that continued, I guess, barometer or measuring stick of where they are in terms of their development and the players that they have there. It's really, really exciting. And I know that, you know, moving forward, it's going to be a very, very interesting landscape. And, you know, and and Dean, you've been you've been around the office now for a little while, but you can you quickly understand how no two days are ever the same and things change just like at the snap of fingers and and just the landscape looks so different right if you would have told me even two years ago that uh, two or three years ago that there would be an independent junior hockey league such as the bchl and the caliber of it not that i would have laughed i would have just been like oh man okay how is that going to get there how quickly is that going to get there then you start asking all those questions right but very progressive individuals and, and groups that are part of those, uh, those uh, BCHL teams. And, you know, and I think that they're, they've really done a great job, you know, when you look at that, their, their referee Academy and what they're doing and, and, you know, the relationship that now is, is uh, existing 
with the JPHL and, and the affiliation and the opportunity for officials to work games and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's really, really cool to see. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're starting to kind of see and hear those rumblings and, you know, that there's going to be more of a shift and it's, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see the way that things progress. Uh, you know, like I say in like six months, but by the end of the week, there might be something that's yeah. different by tomorrow. We might wake up and have coffee and, Oh, this is what's going on now. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's very, uh, it's very interesting to, to see how, you know, people have really started to look outside the, you know, the four walls and, and how they can still operate and have a really, really, really good high end product and develop players. And at, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. It's not, you know, uh, it's not that, you know, battle the head to head, it's just, you know what, this is an option and this is an opportunity. It's different. Um, you know, this is how it's different. You know, there, there's so many different nuances, right? Sure. Of the, the, the life balance, the being able to play, you know, HSL wise, JPHL wise, playing in a showcase where you're playing, you know, three or four games over a weekend. And then you get a little bit of time in between. You're able to really get that development in because a lot of the time what happens is, when you're playing, say, you know, one or two games over a weekend, Sunday morning, your power play goes, you know, 0 for 8 and your penalty kill gives up, uh, you know, two goals on three opportunities. Well, what's Tuesday practice going to be focused on? Well, it's all special teams. And it's that doesn't make any better. That makes the team better and more successful, but that doesn't make the player better rather than, than constructively looking at it and focusing, okay, you know what, we're still going to do our you know, power skating, shooting, blah, 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 whatever it may be, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, we're going to mix in some special teams because we know we, we recognize we have to work on it um, and that kind of thing. But again, it comes down to that, that corroboration and collaboration between, between coaches and, hey, what works, what doesn't work, and being open about that. Yeah, I, I I totally think we have to get out of this. Me, I want to get to the next level, and you're going to get to the next level anyway by developing. It's like I tell I tell every once in a while a parent comes up and says, "Are they going to change that goal?" And I say, "You know, the scouts do know who scored, and it all gets changed. And and the the the, the scouts see the players. They'll and if a player is good enough, they will they will be seen by by a scout. So it, it all comes together. The players who should be like I've never ever heard of a player that didn't get drafted because he didn't get scouted because nobody knew where he was playing. I just it just doesn't exist. If a player is good enough, the scouts are going to hear about them. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to, you just look at the, you know, a story, I mean, Pavel Datsuk, the, the story about yeah. him, how he gets noticed is it's insane. Like, you know, th those types of stories happen though. Right. And, and, uh, and especially nowadays when we live in a, in such a digital age and era where mm. you want to go find players, you can go find players. And whether that's, you know, a, a junior team in Alberta that's scouting kids from Florida or Arizona, a lot of the time you're probably five to 10 clicks away and a couple websites away from finding those kinds of players and honing in on them and watching them and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a pretty cool age and, and era of, of where hockey and technology are kind of coinciding and meeting together and, and opening up a lot of doors.
Yeah, it's it totally is. Uh, let's talk about the Saints as uh, you are the color analyst with uh, Brandon Ewan Cheshin. Uh, it's fun. I get to do a few hosting games this year. Friday and Saturday this week will be fun. But uh, I think easily the most impressive guy for me has been in in goal. Uh, what have you thought about uh, Ryan DeCook's uh, coming out party? I, I saw him lead that Lethbridge team last year, and you knew he was special uh, and so far, so good in his AJHL debut, I guess you would say. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, Dean, I, I heard a lot of rave reviews about him last year. I never had the opportunity to, to watch him live, but I know, you know, there was a lot of conversations around him and the way he was playing and, and you know, just his competitiveness, his overall ability. And, you know, coming into camp was kind of the first time that I was able to see him live and, it was it was the blue white game, inter squad game. I think it was on the Tuesday night after the after the long weekend or before the long weekend. Sorry, and uh, you know he and Zach Oneskew, who played for the Saints last year, both started the game, and they were the two best players on the ice. And uh, if I remember correct, I think Oneskew gave up two goals on I believe about 20, 21 shots or twenty two shots. He played really really well. And, you know, DeCook on the other end, I think, gave up one goal on 19 or 20 shots. And those two guys were the two best players on the ice at the at the inter, or the blue-white game. And he's just, you know, Ryan has just continuously impressed me in, in all the games that I've seen him. And when you look at, at his first month as a junior hockey player and, and being a rookie netmer and, and getting thrown into, you know, a little bit of baptism by fire with uh, the unfortunate injury to Oneskew, um, you know, just as the season was getting underway and, and having to carry the mail as a young guy playing, I think he's, yeah, I think the eight games in the month of October. And I think out of those eight, for sure, four of, or not four of them, but there's two back to backs in there. Uh, you know, you look at the showcase on Friday night, an 8 p.m. start, and then a Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. start. That is a short turnaround for seasoned veteran for seasoned veteran junior guys let alone a young rookie and you know his goals against i think i'm not really good at math but i think he's given up uh jesus i think it's like 16 or 17 goals in in the eight games that he's played and you know save percentage up and around or just over 9 10 he's been very very impressive and you know he's uh the one thing that's that i've been kind of the most impressed by is just he's just like this just all the time. Yeah. There's no, there's no waiver. There's no, you know, uh, um, I, I don't want to say he's not emotional, but there's no outburst. There's no, you know, questioning what's going on. It's like, okay, you know what, let one in, get ready for the next one. And I think that's, a, that's one of the biggest or best attributes that a netminder can have is, is just a, a short memory, right? Ted Lasso, yeah. memory of a goldfish. <laughs> hey, it happens, forget about it because you're, you're only as good as your next shot. Right. And, and I think he's been, he's been very impressive. Then, um, you know, the, I think eventually the run support is going to be there. Um, I think I was actually running some numbers just at the, the uh, just before the preseason. And, you know, the, the one kind of question mark was going to be, where was the offense get from in, in all the players that were, uh, that moved on after last season's, um, you know, run to the final against Brooks it was like 51 or 52% of the offense was gone. And that's a lot of goals that you've got to make up. And I think that, 
you know, as this season progresses, there's there's a lot of guys that are maybe in some different spots than they than they were used to. You know, new coaching staff, a lot of different nuances, and uh, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see them maybe do a little bit more is you know, drive the paint, get into the dirty areas, and you know, uh, try to just find the the grease. You know, like uh, Gordon Bombay and uh, Mighty mm-hmm. Ducks. You know, pick up the garbage. You got to go pick up the garbage. Yeah, well, and that's uh, you know, uh, in and as I mentioned earlier, I had a good conversation with Craig McTavish, and he said garbage goals uh, count just as much as the end-to-end rushes. And and I said, oh, did you did you tell that to Wayne after he went over the shoulder of, of Vernon <laughs> that, that the tap-ins are the same? And I don't think he did. But you mentioned the offense yeah. is not there, and there's also adjustments with Ryan Marsh. Great to see him back behind the bench. He would like a, a few more victories, obviously, but there's an adjustment with a new voice from behind. The the bench too yeah big time uh you know and, and changes there's been a lot of change you know the saints there's a lot of turnover year over year on the roster with you know just the cyclical nature of you know having a, a really good strong program and you know the recruiting of players never ends and you know year over year it's probably a roster turnover of anywhere from you know 40 to 55 maybe even 60 percent of the players right so I think that that's eventually going to come. And yeah, Ryan Marsh, you know, comes from being in the, in the Dell last year and, and coaching professionally and has spent a lot of time in the Western hockey league as well. And, and I do think that there is a bit of an adjustment period for sure. And, and especially the, the veteran guys that have been around with having Brown for the last two or three years and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's, it's a, you know, we're, we're all creatures of habit to our, to our own extent. And I think mm-hmm. hockey players are probably the worst for that. They'll never say that they have, you know, no. pregame rituals or anything like that. But uh, I know I drive to the rink the same way every time. <laughs> I'm not even playing the game. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And I do think that, you know, as the season progresses and, and, you know, settle into a bit more of a rhythm and, you know, it always seems that heading into the showcase, the showcase is just, it's, it's tough. Those guys put a lot of pressure on themselves and that sort of thing. So, you know, hopefully being at home now for, for back-to-back games this Friday and Saturday, the guys are kind of able to, to get into a bit more of a rhythm, a bit more, you know, of a, of a comfort zone. And uh, there's too much skill on the team and, and too much talent that, the offense is just going to stay at a, you know, 2.1 goals, goals per game or anything like that. You know, the goals against it's great, but when you're Mm -hmm. even after eight games, you know, the the offense has to kind of get clicking and sometimes you just get into that rut and and you get frustrated. And I think the the biggest thing is, like I said, is just kind of cranking out, playing more simple hockey and, and, you know, driving the paint and getting traffic from point shots and, you know, you look at the Dawkins goal that you had showed there a couple yeah. of times, just a, a seemingly harmless shot. But when you, you know, you're able to use traffic, you throw pucks into areas, you know, challenge the goalie as much as possible and, and get it away from, you know, the crest and, and the middle of the net to look for rebounds, you know, pass off the pads. And uh, like, like I said, I think, I think Ryan and his staff are, are doing a really good job here. And, and I think that they're going to, you know, they're eventually going to kind of turn that corner and, you know, you're, you're playing great defense and, you know, great defense leads to great offense. Right. So I think that as things kind of progress and, and, you know, some maybe different line combinations are found and some chemistry is found, you know, the goals are going to start to come, but it's been a, it's been a very interesting season or a beginning of the season in, in the AJ, in my opinion, a lot of the teams I thought were going to be really, really, really good. 
uh, haven't gotten off the good starts. You know, I'm shocked to see Bonneville where they're at. Um, you know, Drum is a, a very pleasant surprise. They've been, you know, they've been playing really good hockey. I mean, you know, Brooks is Brooks. You know, Okotoks is off to a really hot start. And, um, yeah, it just seems like it's been a, it's been an interesting start, start to the season. And, uh, you know, only eight games into, uh, into the 23-24 season. So lots of hockey to be played. And, uh, and yeah, they don't hand out any banners at the end of September. So that's always the, the positive, right? As long as you don't play yourself out of the season early, and you know what, you'd rather learn your, or, you know, yeah. learn from your mistakes and, and make those, or have those learning lessons early on in the season, rather than, you know, when the, when the snow melts and the golf courses are opening and you're playing hockey for real, uh, that's not when you want to be learning, uh, having your learning lessons. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Wokey, I look forward to being part of the broadcast Friday and Saturday with you and Iwa and uh, watching some terrific hockey at the Grant Fuhr Arena. Congratulations on uh, the seventh year of the HSL getting going and a lot of the fun events that I can't wait to be a part of around the office. Thanks again for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Dean.